Amen. Thank you, Pastor. What a blessing to be in God's house. Amen. Amen. Grateful for the privilege of being back again tonight. I'm thankful for the great meal provided for us this evening. And fellowship we enjoyed around the things of the Lord. I had uh, I had Dr. B. R. Lakin with me in uh, in meetings several times when I pastored. And Dr. Lakin used to say this. He said, "Keep uh, keep the message down on the bottom shelf, to where the young folks can get it, and uh, you'll not have to worry about the older people. They'll be able to handle it too." Yeah. I've uh, I've uh, asked the Lord to help me discern which direction He wants me to go in, what message He wants me to preach, and so I want to be sensitive to Him. And I trust that you'll be sensitive to the Lord also. You'll open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6 tonight. Sixth chapter of the book of Matthew. Uh, Let me ask a question or two before I read this scripture tonight. Uh, How many of you are here tonight and you know that you are saved? Let's see how you know that you are saved. Wonderful. Uh, how many of you got saved in church, some church somewhere? You got saved in church. Good. How many, how many got saved on Sunday? All right. What about Monday? Anybody get saved on Monday? Brother Josh did. What about Tuesday? Anybody saved on it? We need to work on that. What about Wednesday? Anybody, uh, anybody saved on Wednesday? What about Thursday? I see one there. Friday? That's the night I got saved. Saturday, about a Saturday, Amy said, I don't know the day, don't know which day it was. I want to say to you tonight, I don't think it's that critical to know the day, but you better know a day, amen, a time when you pass from death unto life. And so when we got saved, we're, we're birthed into the family of God by the Holy Spirit, and we become sons of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Now I belong to Jesus, Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. I'm thankful that he's still working on me. I've just been saved a little over 62 years, and uh, he's still working on me. His activity, Paul said, I'm confident of his activity, he's working in my life. And then Paul said, "I'm, I'm confident of his aim, his aim is to conform me to the image of his dear son. And, uh, and so I'm grateful that Paul said to the believers at Philippi, Philippians 2.12, he said, uh, work out your own salvation uh, with fear and trembling. And verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And in Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, I want to put in verse number 25, The Bible said, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And uh, why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies 
uh, of the, the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall, not, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Uh, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, take therefore no thought for, for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I, I, I'm interested tonight, particularly in verse number 33, and we'll be looking at several other passages of scripture, but uh, the writer is saying to us, but seek ye first, that speaks of priority. Seek ye first, that's first before family. That's first before job. That, that's first before vacation. That, that's just first, first place. And so I want to preach a little while tonight on seek ye first. And by the way, as I've said so many times already, and pastors alluded to it already tonight, I believe revival is a matter of the adjustment of my life to the blessed word of God. And so it's a priority. If you wait to Sunday morning to decide whether you're going to go to church, you probably won't be there. Right. Uh, it was Daniel in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. The Bible said Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the, with the king's meat. And so Daniel decided what he was going to do before he had to decide what he was going to do. And so you understand the priority, the matter of first things first. And so there's certain excitement about first things. I remember the first time my pastor called on me to pray in a service. And uh, I'm sitting there minding my own business. I hadn't been saved that long. And, and, uh, and so he finishes his message and he said, Now, Brother Joe, you dismiss us in prayer. I, I didn't know another Joe in the building. I, I was the only Joe there. And so I don't know what I prayed. But the first time I prayed, the first soul that the Lord allowed me to appoint to the Lord, I could tell you where it was, Bella Vista Avenue in Lakeland, Florida. I could, I could give you the details. That young man didn't have a Bible. I had a brand new soul winner's New Testament, and the Spirit of God said, give that testament to him. And, and I, I'm saying first things first, the first, uh, uh, the, the priority, first things first. And so the first time I drove an automobile. First time I, I, I learned to drive on a 1938 Chevrolet. 1938. I drove a 41 and, and a 43 and that's been back in another dispensation of time. But first thing, I remember the first date. I, I, I remember the, the first day of marriage. First things first. And so that I remember when our daughter was, uh, was born. That's a First, I, and when she took her first step and when she spoke her first word, those are all important things in our life. But I'm telling you, there's things that, that ought to be in, in order in your life as a believer. And I, I want to say this, if I get in 
God's order for my life, I'm a candidate for real revival. 1964, Calvary Baptist Church in Lakeland, Florida, we, we had a revival meeting scheduled. And uh, Dr. Buffington had invited Brother Robert Taylor to be the, the guest preacher for the week. But we, we prayed for six weeks. Every morning at 6 o'clock, a group of men, we met together and prayed. We prayed for one thing. We prayed for revival. There was a lot of unusual things that took place in that six weeks of time. But when, when the revival meeting began, God manifested his power and God manifested his presence. And in that week, we had over 30 people got born again by the grace of God. Folks that had been prayed for for years and years and years got saved. But it's a matter of priority. James said, we have not because we ask not. And we ask and receive not because we ask amiss that we might consume it upon our lust. A John writing said, and this is a confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Would revival be the will of God? Oh, yes. Would priorities be the will of God? Yes. I'm saying you get saved first, and then you get baptized. If you go through the baptismal waters before, all the thing that happens is you go in a dry center and come out a wet center. But baptism is a priority after conversion. The first thing, the matter of confessing faith in Christ. That's important. That's important. Now, I, I want to give you some first things that the Lord has emphasized in the first time the baby walked, first time they talked, first time you prayed in public, first time you gave your testimony, first time, and by the way, that's important to give your testimony. Uh, you, you might not know a great deal about Scripture, but if you've been to Calvary, washed in the blood of the Lamb, saved by the grace of God, you've got a message to tell. Let me tell you about the time when Jesus Christ became my personal Savior. That's important. And so the first time you gave your testimony, in the message you want to consider some of the things that God puts first, and that's by way of importance. Now, notice with me the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew And let's look at Matthew chapter 5, and I want to look at verse number 23 and verse number 24. Here's what the Bible said. He said, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remember that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. What's that next word? First. It's first. You do what? First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. And so here is a first. He he said, you are to do what? He said, uh, here's divine order. It's the order of reconciliation. I will say this. If you are not right with a brother, you're not right with God. But understand the terminology now. He said, you come to give your gift, and that's important also. Uh, we give our gift to the Lord, but he said, if you come to the altar, and there at the altar, you're reminded that a brother hath ought against you. You're to be reconciled to your brother, then offer your gift. He didn't say take the gift back, but he said that the order, the priority, is first your brother, then your gift. And when revival comes, it'll be in, in that order. First your brother, then your gift. And so that's the divine order of reconciliation to a brother. Now, if you'll notice the 18th chapter of the book of Matthew, and let's tie another thought with that. 
18th chapter of the book of Matthew, and I want us to look at verse 21 and, and verse number 22. And, and uh, no, no, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. And here's what the Bible said. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. And if he elect to hear the church, then let him be unto them, unto thee as a heathen, a heathen man and a publican. Uh, and, and so what's he saying? His priority it's a matter of getting things right with brothers and sisters. Could I tell you the matter of swallowing pride is not very tasteful. But I want to remind you that we can't have revival unless we get rid of pride out of our life. You, you could be proud of the fact that you carry a King James Bible. Now, I'm not making exceptions for it. I'm a King James Bible man. I believe the King James Bible is the Word of God, and there's no substitute for it. But then I say some independents become proud over the fact that they're, they're independent. Can I tell you, except by the grace of our God tonight, we could be ensnared with something that would not be biblically correct and not know the difference. Amen. And so I say to you, Christ saves sinners as they are. And as they repent of their sin and trust Jesus, Christ changes their life. And I, I, I said, I, I, I important that. First note, the law of forgiveness. Here's how you're to go to thy brother. If thy brother sin against thee, then bring up Facebook and send the message to everybody in this dog about what somebody said about you, what somebody said about, no, no, no. You're to first go to that individual and listen, deal with that matter between you and that individual alone. And no, it's not to tell everybody about it, it's to tell it to Jesus and do your best to get it reconciled, amen? So I said, what happens when you can't get it reconciled? You do your part and leave the rest unto God. I had, a, I had a fellow that worked on my staff, and I, I facetiously say I had staff infection in my church. That fellow was very disloyal. He created a lot of confusion. That's been over 30 years ago. To this day, he has never, ever acknowledged that he's done anything wrong. I, I know according to Bible that he was wrong. I know according to ethics he was wrong. But listen, there was a day... When, I, when the Spirit of God arrested my attention, it was eating my lunch. Every day it would come up, and I'd bring it up and pass judgment, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and he's sleeping, and I'm losing sleep. And so God the Holy Ghost said to me, Son, if you want to keep doing that, I'll let you do that, but if you'll turn that over to me, I'll take care of it. I rolled that burden over on the Lord. I did my best to get it reconciled. And as far as I'm concerned, that's between that man and the Lord. Amen? 
I'm saying you ought to make an effort to make certain that there's nothing between your soul and the Savior. Yeah. Amen. That's why the psalmist said, just in case I miss something, search me, O God, and know my heart. Find me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And we're talking about first things first. First your brother and then your gift. And so uh, in, order, in order to uh, uh, that second uh, note of order of the divine law is when a brother will not be reconciled. Uh, he said, now you're to go and do your best to get it reconciled. And if you refuse that, then you take with you two or three more. And if he, if he won't hear that, then you tell it to the church. And, and so the church has to take discipline. And by the way, it is still in the Bible. Church discipline's in the Bible. And uh, the purpose, the motive of church discipline is not to get rid of a member. It is to get that member right with God and to be the reconciled to God. And so first your brother, then your gift. Amen. That's God's order. Notice for me secondly tonight, 6th chapter of the book of Matthew, verse number 33, our text verse, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I, I, I want to say, he said, first do what? First take care of the spiritual, then deal with the temporal. I was talking to Brother Chris last night, and he was uh, sharing with me uh, the burden of his heart about his business. And I said this, make certain you keep Christ first in the business. And by the way, he's to be first in all it would do. He, he didn't die upon the cross to pay second fiddle to anybody or anything. He died to be the Lord of our life. And while I'm passing by, let me say this. You can't make him Lord. He was Lord before you got saved. He's Lord after you got saved. It is our responsibility to submit to the Lordship of Christ. Luke 6, 46, he said, Why then do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say unto thee? Some folk call him Lord and do not the things he says do because they've never known him as personal Savior. And some folks do that because they're out of fellowship with the Lord. But I'm saying it's a, it's a critical issue. We're to obey him and submit to the Lordship of Christ. He has a right to tell me how to live, he has a right to tell me how to walk. He has a right to tell me how to dress. He has a right to tell me where to go. I've had a lot of people tell me where to go. And some of it wasn't very pleasant. But I'm saying to you, the Lord has a right to show me, guide my steps. Amen. And so that's what I try to pray every day. I pray that God would guide my steps, keep me usable for him. Amen. I, I don't know about you. I'm not just beating my gums tonight. I want God to use me. I, I want to be, and Bo, if, he, if he's going to use me, then I've got to deal with my brother before my gift, and then I'm to deal with the spiritual before the temporal. Here's a wonderful promise in chapter 6 and verse 25 through 33. And I read the text. I won't read it again. But it's better. God will take care of us in the days of shortage if we will put him first in our lives. Is he first? Not just first on Sunday, but first every day we live. And I'm saying, Lord, what would thou have me to do? I'm reporting for business. I'm, I'm, and so direct my steps, guide my thoughts. 
I pray that you'd fill me with your power. You'd use me for your glory. I'm not here to try to impress anybody. I'm not here to try to preach something that hadn't been preached before. I'm just simply here seeking to obey the Lord and sharing that which God's impressed my heart about. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. The Bible said, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You believe that verse? I'm saying if you put God first, God will take care of you. He'll not be a debtor to any man. In the book of Psalm 62 and verse number 5, he said, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for our expectation is from him. It's not from Washington, D.C. It's from the throne of God. And I say to you, our God is able to meet our needs. So first the spiritual and then the temporal. First your brother and then your gift. But notice with me the seventh chapter. Y'all in the building tonight? Matthew chapter 7. Notice Matthew chapter 7 if you would please. And let's look at verse 22 and 23. The Bible said many will say, let's see if it got me right. Uh, uh, no, that's not my right reference. In, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 7 verse 3. Uh, I got it right. Matthew, he said, and be, Oh, let me just pick up verse 1 and we'll get it all. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite. Here's the next word. First. Thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye. And then thou shalt, uh, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Here's a fellow that's got a little splinter in his eye. And a man with a telephone pole in his eye is trying to get the splinter out of the brother's eye. And, and so I want to say, he said, first judge yourself. And then your brother. Be careful now. Be careful. You said, well, we don't judge. Listen, God is our judge. And we are to do what? We're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And so note the kind of judgment that is not lawful. The person's private life. In the book of, uh, uh, let's look at the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. And uh, I want us to look at verse number, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 15. And the Bible said, And let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in, any, in, in, in other men's matters. And so it's not the matter of judging the personal life. And so sometimes there's a judgment that is hypocritical judgment. Romans chapter number 2 and verse number 1. Let me read that. Romans chapter 2 and verse number 1. And here's the way... Here's the way it reads, Romans 2 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. What about that? I, I'm saying that's the hypocritical judgment. And then there's hasty, hasty, or judgment that is rash. Proverbs chapter 18 18th chapter of Proverbs, and we look at verse number 13. 
Proverbs 18 and verse 13 in the Bible reads this way. He said, he that answers the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. And so he that answers the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. And so he's saying, first judge yourself. My mom was not a strong, strong Christian, but I believe my mom was a Christian. And my mom, because of circumstances in our home, we didn't go to church. But I can remember my mom saying to this just as a young lad. She'd say to us children, uh, make sure you sweep up around your own door before you get interested in trying to sweep up around somebody else's door. And so we're to make sure that we are right with God, judging ourselves. Amen? If we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. It's a matter of recognize this, when God opens our eyes to see that which is not in, in priority, that which is not right, we are to deal with that. And by the way, we're to deal with that when God shows us. Not 10 miles down the road, not three meetings away, but when God deals with us, we are to be obedient in doing what God said. So first judge yourselves and then others. And now notice again, can you visualize this man? He's described in Matthew 7 by our Lord. He, ha- he has, a, uh, has a, a telephone pole or, or two before in his eyes, comparatively speaking, in his own eye, and he's trying to remove a wee little splinter out of another man's eyes. By the way, we've got too much of that in our fundamental churches. We get to the place to where we feel like we're hyper-spiritual. We're a great deal spiritual than everybody else. I want to say to you, we are, here's what we are. We're a zero with the rim rubbed out. We are nothing, and he is everything. And if anything ever gets accomplished in and through your life, it'll be God. It won't be you. But God will use a yielded vessel. Jeremiah said, I went down to the potter's house. I saw the potter's hand. And the potter's hand, he was molding a vessel. And listen, that vessel's molded on the outside by circumstances. On the inside by the pressure of his hand. Praise God, I'm glad he's still working on us. And there's a pressure that he's molding us. And it was marred in the hand of the potter. And the Bible didn't say he threw the clay away. Thank God he didn't throw the clay away. But he made it anew, a vessel meet for the master. And I want to say to you tonight, you're just a vessel of the Lord. And you're, hey, it's not important that they know my name. It's not important that they know your name. It's not important that they know your church name. But it's important that they know God's name. Amen. How? How important that is. And so I'm reminded often the critic who criticizes another is a greater sinner than the one that he criticizes. Hello. We're pretty good. We're good. I I, I said to you, I think I mentioned this while I was here. I was in a meeting and a young evangelist was there and he related to the fact that they they just had a, a family of seven that had been coming regularly and sat close to the front and, and they all left. They, they left the church. And, and he, the young evangelist said, my pastor said they wasn't saved anyway. I want to say to you, there's only two people to know about whether you're saved or not. That's God and you. They might not have been saved, but that's not the pastor's call. Amen. But I say to you, I suspect that sometimes as folks were watching our lives, they might come to the conclusion that we're not saved. 
Hello. That's why it's important to let our light so shine among men that they may glorify our Father which is in heaven. And so let's be careful that our own lives are right in the sight of God. And so it's not Dr. Bottle Stopper that we're measuring by. It's the Word of God. What does God say about it? What does God think about it? That's important. And so if I think it is not, if I think there's a question about it, I need to be still and I need to find the answer from God. And so, uh, again, there's some folks that judge unmerciful and, and said, before you attempt to be presumptuous enough to place ourselves in the position that Christ alone holds as judge over, by the way, he's a righteous judge. And, and at the judgment seat of Christ, that judgment is not going to be determined whether we're going to heaven or not. We're going to heaven because our sins were judged at Calvary. But it will determine the degree of rewards that we have and the, I believe the position of reign with Christ during the millennium. Uh, and how, how, how important. And by the way, at the judgment seat of Christ, the Lord's not going to call my pastor up and say, now what did you think about Brother Joe? Uh, he's not going to call somebody else that's my friend saying, what do you think? No, no, no. It doesn't matter what they think. I'm saying to you, it's what God knows about my life. So I want to live my life and, and be right. First judge myself. Lay myself bare before the Lord. We're busy, busy, busy about trying to cover up ourselves. We don't want the preacher to know. We don't want our friends to know. We don't, we, no, we don't want our spouse to know. don't want our children to know. And, and children don't want parents to know. But I tell you, you're not answering those. You're going to answer to God who knows it all. He knows the end from the beginning. And so the kind of judgment that is lawful, we're to be, in, in Matthew chapter 7, the Lord Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now that's a warning. That's a warning. God said, not everybody that professes to know Christ is going to heaven. And, and by the way, if, you, if there wasn't a change in your life, I doubt you got saved. Because the Bible tells us that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means that we are forgiven. Thank God for the forgiveness. And so we can be fruit inspectors. And, and again, we can reprove sin. Ephesians 5 and verse number 11. We'll read that verse. Ephesians number 5 and verse number 11. And the Bible says it this way. Ephesians 5 and verse number 11, he said, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. We'll do what? We're to reprove sin. And we're to mark the ones that are causing division, according to Romans chapter 16 and verse number 17. And so we're to withdraw ourselves from those who walk disorderly. It's important. How important. And, and so Dr. Lincoln used to say, If you lie down with the dogs, you get up with the fleas. And you understand, it's understanding that when you and I, when you and I said we got saved, we are accountable to God for every day of our life. And so I want you to see with Matthew chapter 8. Let's come back to Matthew chapter 8 and consider another first. Matthew chapter 8, and let's look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 21 and verse number 22 again. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 21 and 22. The Bible said this. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bear my father. But Jesus said unto him, follow me and let the dead bear the dead. And so what's he say? He said, it's first what Christ wants 
than what I want. And and the book of and I, I refer to this verse very often in my preaching because I, I I love it so much. In the book of Psalm 37 and verse number four, the Bible said, "Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart." Amen. You believe that? I believe that. We we delight ourselves in the Lord. Now, uh, it's what what Christ wants and not what I want. Putting other things first is what we see here. It was the me first attitude. I'll serve thee, but let me first. There's people today that said, I know I need to be saved, but let me first take care of this. No, no, no. Christ is to be first. And today is a day of salvation. And if you're not saved, listen, you're gambling with eternity every time you hear the gospel and reject it. And your heart becomes harder and the neck becomes stiffer and you're in a dangerous position. And, and so it was the me first attitude in the life of this young man. The Lord did not deny the man the privilege of showing his fidelity to, the, to his home or to his parents. But he rebuked that man for putting anything first. It can't be your job. Thank God for the job. And I believe God gives us abilities and God gives us appointments and God gives us jobs. But listen, we recognize this, that God is to be first before your job. And if he's not first, then we're out of Bible order. Uh, Again, from all indications, a man's dad was not yet dead. He was wanting to wait until his father died and then he would follow the Lord. I'm going to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of folks that's planning to do something for God sometime down the road. How important it is that we've got our priorities right. I give myself to the Lord. No deals made. No strings attached. I want him to be first place in my life. He's the Lord of my life. And so... uh, Matthew chapter 10. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10 and uh, look at a couple of verses. Verse 37, uh, Matthew chapter 10. The Bible said, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and falleth after me is not worthy of me. And he that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And I, I'm, I'm emphasizing the truth. Listen, it's to put Christ first, a matter of following. I love my family. Don't you love yours? We love our family, and we desire. But there's, there was only one time, one time that my mom and dad ever eat with Priscilla and I after we were married. And it was happened to be on a Wednesday night. And, uh, and so we had the meal, and, and I, I excused myself. I said, now, we'd like for you all to go with us to church, but uh, if not, we're going to go, and we'll see you when we get back. Now, that didn't go over well with them, but I, I made up my mind. I don't, let, I'm, I don't want my family to come to, between me and what God wants me to do. That's priority. Jesus Christ must be first. How is it measuring up in your life tonight? Is he first place in all that you do? And all that you are, if, is there some way that you need to make some adjustments to the matter of your priorities? 
what is the first and greatest commandment? The Bible said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. He's to be first. And so we're, we, we are to first count the cost and, and the cost in serving Christ. And it does cost. And that comes back to the matter of the, the lesson on the matter of sacrifice, being a sacrifice. It's our reasonable service to give ourselves to the Lord. Amen. Then notice with me the book of Matthew chapter 23. And I, I want to see a couple of verses there. We're talking about first things first. 23rd chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And let's, let's look at verse uh, number 25 and verse number 26. The Bible said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but, uh, but uh, within they're full of extortions and excesses. Thou blind Pharisee, Cleanse, what's that word? First, that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. So what is he saying? He said, first make sure the inside is clean. And is that not revival? Matter of a clean heart and a right spirit? Make sure there's, there, there's some who are actually seeking to cover up their wickedness. I'm appalled in these days in the ministry of so many preachers that, that are immoral. Right. And, and, they, and they go on as though nothing's ever happened. I'm going to tell you, 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 you can make more noise with the axe handle than you can with the axe head, but you can't cut trees down with just the axe handle. And if you're not qualified, if you're not qualified, if that man is not qualified, he needs to get out of the ministry. You, you're welcome. And so they said, well, that means just one wife at a time. No, that's not what it means. It means one, one wife for one lifetime, amen, until death do you part. And so there are those who actually seek to cover up their wickedness by the bold and open profession of faith in Christ. They offer up long prayers, and they seek thus to cover up their wickedness. They make piety a pretense for evil practice. But the Lord said, first make sure, make sure that the inside is clean and then the outside, deal with the outside. And by the way, that's the way it always works. God begins to work in us. When the Lord Jesus turned that water into wine, it was an unseen internal work. No one saw it. And listen, the disciples put the water in there, but they couldn't change it into wine. But Jesus did that miraculous thing when he turned the water into wine. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to pour in the water of the word, and he does the miraculous. It begins on the inside. Our heart is troubled. We recognize that we're undone and need a Savior. We're helpless and we're hopeless. And so he is the one that does the converting in our life. Amen. And so they make pretense of, uh, of, of piety and uh, for the evil practice. And so we're, we're more concerned about what men see than what God sees in our life. Hello. Somebody said, well, you know, God, God uh, man looks upon the outward appearance, but God seeth the heart. Yeah, but he sees the outside too. And if the inside is right, if the inside is right, then it will reflect on the outside. And so I'm talking about priorities. When Saul got saved, he said, Lord, that's the right address. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And I believe that was Paul's goal from the time of conversion. 
He hadn't been to Sunday school, hadn't been to Bible college, but he'd been to Calvary, saved by the grace of God. He's saying, Lord, what will thou have me to do? So my question to you tonight, is there some things that you need to adjust in your life to get the priorities right? Doing this not to be seen of men, but to please our Heavenly Father. And by the way, could I remind you, someone said that, you're not being very successful. You're not seeing that many people saved. I I say to you, I'd I'd have to agree. I'm not seeing many people saved, but I'm seeing one here and one there. It's not my responsibility to make the seed come up. It's my responsibility to sow the seed. And the Word of God is a seed. And if if I receive the Word of God and make those adjustments in my life, God will be glorified. And I'll be a usable vessel for the Lord Jesus. And so if someone gets saved, I bless his name. If they come forward, I'm glad of that. But whether they get saved or come forward, that's not my responsibility. It's my responsibility is to see to it as an evangelist that I keep first things first. Would you bow with us?